right now because Christmas is so exciting for all ages, but especially for kids. Especially for kids. I'm going to invite all the kids in the house to come and join me down here in the front. There's some seats you can just sit in if you want to, or if there's not enough seats, we can get you in on the ground right here. But just come and fill in the front area here, kids, because nobody ever sits in the front row except you guys join me at second service. So come on, have a seat, have a seat. If there's not enough room, just plop down on the ground. You'll be okay. I won't keep you here long. I don't imagine any of you guys are excited about Christmas. Right? You're just, you just, you're just not excited at all. Actually, I see some pretty excited faces down here. Well, in the midst of all the excitement of Christmas, as your pastor, I wanted to take a moment and just talk to you. Now, big people, parents, grandparents, you can listen too. This might be applicable to you as well. But this Christmas, we want to remember something very important. And I'm going to use a couple of things to help me teach you that today, all right? One of those is my, my nice little colors here in this cylinder. These are kind of some colors of Christmas, aren't they? Yeah, and so we've got three colors here, and I bet you guys all know your colors, all right? So what is this first color? Purple. Purple, exactly, yes. Good luck in the rest of your school career. What? Yellow and red, yes. And these colors remind me of some of the colors of Christmas like we talked about. In fact, we'll let the green kind of remind us of the decorations of Christmas. How many have a Christmas tree somewhere in the house? Yes. Is it green? Yeah. Or is it purple? It's green. Yeah, nobody has any pink Christmas trees. Green reminds us of the decorations of Christmas, and, and I love decorations, in fact, we had our Christmas tree out like really early this Christmas. In fact, it was out before Thanksgiving, All right? We, we, we love Christmas trees. But this yellow reminds me of gold and the gifts that we give and receive. How many are hoping for some gold this Christmas? Some kids want gold. I know parents typically are kind of wishing for that, but, but it reminds us of presents. And isn't that the fun part of Christmas? On the count of three, I want you to tell me what you want for Christmas, all right? Because we like to get presents. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Exactly. And those are all wonderful things about Christmas that we can enjoy. Presents. But at the top of our colors, I want to talk to you about and remind you about the most important thing about Christmas. It's not decorations. It's not presents. It's Jesus. Yes, I'm so glad you guys are here to help me remember that. It's Jesus. Jesus really is why we have Christmas. So, I think we'd all agree that that is the correct order, right? So, we've got them right here. Decorations, presents, and Jesus. And that's the way the order things really should be when it comes to Christmas, right? But here's what I've discovered. Even when I was a kid, sometimes I got these things out of order. Sometimes, when even though I know Jesus should be first, sometimes I get caught up in all the stuff of Christmas and I forget. So of those three things, obviously the decorations should be, I mean, they're cool, but are they the most important thing? No. Presents are fun. I remember some of my presents that I got as a kid. And I know maybe you're going to remember some of your presents, but the thing about presents is eventually they break, don't they? Toys break or you grow up and 
Why do I still have that? I mean, the only toys I still have in my childhood are my, are my 1970s Star Wars action figure collection that I have. Other than that, I, I don't have a lot of toys left from my childhood because they break and things get old, and, but they're pretty cool for a time. But who should always be top priority when it comes to Christmas? Exactly. And I know that's what you're saying, but I know that even sometimes when we try hard to remember that, I know that sometimes come Christmas morning, Jesus somehow gets forgotten and pushed to the the bottom of the stack. What's on top? Presents, right? Because I know when Christmas morning comes, you're not jumping on your parents' bed wanting to talk about Jesus, are you? Usually you're jumping on your parents' bed because it's time to open presents. Yes, I get it. And that happens. And sometimes we get we miss the real reason, don't we? Sometimes we, we miss it. And, and I'm all for fun. I'm all for loving that kind of stuff. But we all know that decoration should be what? Yeah, that kind of stuff. It's fun to make stuff. How many made an ornament for your family this year at school? You decorated a pretty ornament? Yeah, we have them on our tree. We have all kinds of ornaments on our tree of all that our kids have made. And those are fun things. Presents, of course, are great. How many bought a present for your parents? Oh, Oh, remember, kids, it's more blessed to give than receive. Just kidding. My kids are listening to me, and they're going, I don't know if we got anything for Dad. But Jesus should always be first, right? In our hearts, even on Christmas Day. And I believe that to be true. And you know what? Decorations are in the right place, but sometimes with the excitement of Christmas, we still forget that it's not about getting gifts. It's about Jesus. How many of you would, would go to a Christmas or to a friend's birthday party and expect that you get to open all your friend's presents for him and take him home? Not many. I'll tell you what happened. You wouldn't be invited back to his birthday party next year if you went to his party, took all of his presents, and left. But Jesus, it's his birthday on Christmas, isn't it? It really should be about him, but sometimes we get so caught up in the presence that we, we kind of forget about Jesus. Maybe we go to church and hear about Jesus, but I'm going to talk in a moment about a way that you can invite Jesus to be a very special part of your day tomorrow when it comes to Christmas. Decorations are neat. Presents, love them. They're fun. But who should always be first? Jesus is the reason that we celebrate Christmas, but you know what? Not only do we sometimes forget what Christmas is about, our America, our culture oftentimes wants us to forget about what Christmas is about. In fact, some of you, if you go to public school, I, I bet when you sang songs of holiday cheer at school, you didn't sing a single song about Jesus if you're in a public school. Because people want us to kind of forget about the reason for the season. That's kind of funny because every time you tell somebody Merry Christmas, Aren't you talking about Jesus? Because his name is in Christmas, right? Mary Christmas. Christmas. It's about Jesus. But there are some people who just want to keep Jesus hidden at Christmas. Now, I know as, as church-going people, you guys love Jesus, and you wouldn't want to do this. But there are people that want to keep Christmas and Jesus separate. They don't want to put him first, like our picture here shows. Where should Jesus be? First. They don't, they don't want to put him there. 
They want to put them in a box, hide them this Christmas, talk about other stuff like presents and decorations and cool TV shows and Christmas songs. But no matter how hard people try to keep Jesus out of Christmas, let me just remind you, he really is the reason that we celebrate. And while they think they might be keeping Jesus out of Christmas, let me show you something. (laughs) They can't because Jesus really is the reason for the season. So I hope that you will remember to put Jesus first. And here's how you can do it tomorrow when you get ready to open all those presents and it's so fun. Maybe just in your own way, pause and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for my family who buys me all these cool presents. But let's remember to keep him first because it really is his day. We get to have a lot of fun, but it really is his day. So I hope you will find Jesus first in your life today. Well, kids, we've got a special gift for you when you leave today. So Miss Carrie, Miss Carrie will have a really cool thing for you to take when you go today. We just want to say we love you. We're so glad you're part of Neighborhood Church, Neighborhood Kids, and so glad you're here. But right now, you can return to your parents and wherever they're seated, if you can find them. Hopefully, they didn't hide from you while you were up here. Oh, is that right? Yes, my son's clearing it up. Dad, we got you ornaments for Christmas. He's wanting to make sure that I know he got, us, he got me a present. I'm going to invite the uh, ushers to come forward this morning to wait upon us for our morning tithes and offerings. And I just want to say as the ushers are coming, I want to say to the church, thank you for this great year. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We have seen great things happen for our children, great events and activities for our youth. More importantly, we have seen kids come put their faith in Jesus. We've seen youth trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We've supported missionaries. We've helped get gifts to those that were in need. We blessed foster kids in our county with Christmas presents this year. We put food on the tables of families who really had a tough time putting together a meal for Christmas. You're all a part of that. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving throughout the year. And just want to remind you as we approach the end of the year that if uh, you want to make sure you get those final year-end gifts in by December 31st, next Sunday, as you come to church and join us. Just by way of reminder, next Sunday we are having just one service on New Year's Eve, one service at 10 o'clock. So if you come here at 9, you'll just be here really, really early and get to enjoy worship practice because we'll have service at 10 o'clock next Sunday, just one service on New Year's Eve. No midweek activities this week, so enjoy time as a family. And we will start a new class on Wednesday nights coming up in the turn of the year. And anything else you want to hear about, just look in the bulletin and stuff there for you to pay attention to that is happening here at Neighborhood Church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this season of giving. You gave out of love. Help us to express our love to you through how we give, not just today, but throughout the year, remembering you are the reason. And as you gave so deeply, you've called us as well through love to give, to give freely. So in this season of giving, bless as we give. Use it for your kingdom purpose, that people can find the hope of the Christ of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you as you give. It's great to have this service together as a family, and 
I love having kids in here. I spent a lot of years being a children's pastor, and so we'll try to keep this service clipping right along, and we're going to conclude this with communion as well. We've been in a series called Do You See? Do you see? Do you see Christmas the way that Jesus sees Christmas? Do you see it the way God intended Christmas to be? Because I think that's something that we really have to stop and think about. What do you see as you approach Christmas? You know, today I was thinking about presents when I was talking to the kids, and it reminded me of a story of a little boy named Jesse who really wanted to get an Apple Watch for Christmas. Anybody want an Apple Watch for Christmas? Nobody wants one. Okay, I didn't think so. But he really wanted one. And he, he, he begged and pleaded daily leading up to Christmas with his parents that they would remember that he wants an Apple Watch. And it got to the point where he was so irritating about it, his dad finally said, you need to stop bugging us about the Apple Watch. We've heard you. If you keep talking about it, you're not going to get it. Well, Jesse was still a little worried that his parents wouldn't remember So he thought, how can I remind them in a way that I won't get in trouble? And being a creative teenager like he was, he figured something out. And the night came where it was dinner, and it was still about, Christmas was still three days away. And uh, it was his time to say grace, to say the blessing over the food. And so he said, now before I bless the food, I want to share a scripture with you. And he quoted the scripture, Mark 13, 37. I say unto you what I have already told you before, watch. (laughs) Yeah. We spend a lot of time at Christmas watching, looking for things. Maybe it was looking for that perfect gift for that perfect someone, and it took you a long time to find that. Or maybe you were looking for where your parents hide the presents so you could see them perhaps before they got wrapped. I used to do that as a kid. Wasn't always very successful at it. Or maybe you've been looking for the ugliest Christmas sweater in the community so you could win at the party, the contest of the ugliest sweater. Or maybe you're looking for a way to re-gift that fruitcake that you got from your aunt. I don't know what it is you're looking for, but we find that in Christmas especially, we do have a lot of looking involved with Christmas, looking forward to and looking for. And when I think about that first Christmas I recognize there were a lot of people who missed it because they were looking for other things. In fact, I can think of the, of the politicians who totally missed the, the birth of Jesus, the first Christmas. In fact, the politician who comes to mind in the story wanted to kill the baby Jesus, Herod. Obviously weren't looking for it. Kind of a reminder to me that I'm not going to look to politics to answer my questions concerning the holiday season or, or my salvation. They missed it. You know, even the religious leaders of the day who should have seen it coming, right? They, they knew about the Messiah, that from the line of David, a Savior would be born. They, they knew about it, but even the religious leaders missed it. Do you know the only ones who found and enjoyed Christmas, that very first Christmas, were the ones who were looking for it? I remind you that out in the fields there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. And they heard this announcement of a Savior born, and it says, let us go to Bethlehem and see, and see. We also know there were some wise men who traveled over a thousand miles from the east to come and see this Christ child that was born and worship him. There were a few people who saw the Christmas child, 
But the reality is all of us, if we're to be honest, we're all seekers. We're all trying to find something. We all have this longing within our hearts. It's a deep longing that seems like we try to fill it with stuff. And guess who put that longing in there? God put that longing within us. In fact, in, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, not a common book used for Christmas, but it says this, that God has set eternity in the human heart. There's a part of every one of us that has a longing to be connected to God who made us. God put that longing there. Why? Because at Christmas especially, He wants to satisfy the longings of your heart. He wants to connect with you. He wants to have relationship with you at Christmas. And so this Christmas, I, I want to talk about what will you find at Christmas? What will you find at Christmas? I know some of you are hoping to find something under the tree, wrapped up in pretty paper and bows, and you're, you're hoping that'll be the gift that totally does it this year for you, or maybe you bought it for somebody and you're thinking, this is going to be the greatest Christmas ever. But what will you find this Christmas? Because here's what I know to be true. You will find what you're looking for at Christmas. You will find what you're looking for at Christmas. I just hope, and my prayer has been, we're all looking for the right things when it comes to Christmas. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says it best, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. We love that verse when it comes to seeking God about something or asking Him for something. Because we all have that desire within our hearts to be filled with something that maybe this world doesn't have to offer us. And this Christmas, we need to be reminded of them. And there are three gifts that God wants to give us. At Christmas time especially, as a reminder, there's so much more than these three, but we're going to hit these three because they really tie in well with the Christmas story. And the first one is this. This Christmas, you can find joy. This Christmas, you can find joy. I think Irma Bombeck, the American author and humorist, kind of said it best when she said, there's nothing sadder than to awake Christmas morning and not be a child. Isn't that true, parents? Isn't it different now that we're big people? And I think what she was speaking to was that sense of joy and wonder that seems to be in the hearts of children around Christmas. I know it's in the hearts of my kids as we approach Christmas. But let me remind you that this kind of joy we're talking about is not something conjured up because of presents or packages or stories about whatever. This joy of Christmas, can I just remind you that it's a gift? It's a gift. A lot of people in life, especially around the holiday seasons, they're struggling with joy. As they approach some of the holidays, they, they're mindful of family members who are no longer with them around the Christmas table. There are others who are really wrestling with financial hardship because they way overbought this Christmas. There are others that family life is not so good. There's problems at home or within the family. When you get together and think about coming together at Christmas, joy is not the first word that comes to your mind when it comes to your family. But here's what I, I know about joy. It was central to the Christmas story. I mean, think about it. Everybody who came into contact with the baby Jesus responded in joy. 
Mary, when she heard the news from the angel. A little bit later, it says, she in fact wrote a song about it, and she said that my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. When Mary went to go visit Elizabeth and little baby John the Baptist that was in Elizabeth's womb, it said that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt with joy within her womb. We know that there were angels who came declaring what? Good news of great joy. It was the shepherds who went and, and saw with great joy the baby Jesus and spread the word to everybody who would hear them. It was the wise men who came from the east, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced. Joy was involved in every aspect of that first Christmas. In fact, in most of our favorite traditional Christmas carols, guess what word you're going to find in the lyrics? Some form of joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Or good Christian men, rejoice. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. It's, it's central to the Christmas carols we sing. But here's the thing. It, if it was in the first Christmas, if it was in all those carols, here's the question I have. Is this joy in your life today? Because when I talk about joy, it's not the same as happiness. I think at Christmas we get really happy because happiness is temporal and it's based on circumstances. I get the present I want, I'm happy. I don't get the present I want, I'm not very happy. So happiness is very circumstantial. It's fleeting. But here's the thing about joy. It's a gift that God births within our hearts. And it's not based on circumstances of what's happening around us. We can't miss this, friends. Joy is a gift. In fact, when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of God's Spirit dwelling in you, there is love. And what is the second one? It is joy. I can't conjure this up. I can't make it happen. God births that joy in my heart because Jesus came to be born as our Savior and the one who would give us joy. And this, and this Christmas, if you're wrestling with this issue, just remember joy is a gift. It's not based on circumstances. In fact, the most joyful letter the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament, guess where he wrote this most joyful letter, Philippians? Where did he write this letter at? He was in prison, mistreated, beaten, and he writes about thinking upon things that would cause us joy. Why? It's a gift. And this Christmas, amidst all you are feeling, maybe you feel depression, maybe you feel anger, maybe you feel angst, loneliness, let's stop and remember that at Christmas, joy is a gift. So we lift our eyes to Jesus and we say, Lord, I know you came and it was good news of great joy for all people. I'm one of those all people and I need to receive that gift of joy in my heart, not based on circumstances but a joy within, knowing you are in me and you dwell in me, you're with me, no matter what life brings. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're struggling with joy, here's just a couple of quick things. Evaluate the quality of your walk with Jesus. Maybe some of you, you're, you're not feeling very joyful because you're wrestling with some sin in your life. You know you're not honoring God in the way you're living, and that's going to rob joy all the time. Or others, maybe check the quantity of your life. What are you filling your life up with? What things are you trying to find that will complete you somehow? That'll rob your joy too. 
So this Christmas, you're going to find what you're looking for, and I hope you're looking for the gift of joy. We're going to sing a song that's, uh, well, it's pretty joyful and triumphant. It's about coming all who are faithful. Let's stand, because we sing sounds so much prettier when we stand and sing, all right? Let's sing this great song, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Amen. You can be seated. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Listen to the word of the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on men on whom his favor rests. This Christmas, besides finding joy, this Christmas you can find peace. Peace is a word that our world uses a lot, but they haven't the slightest idea what it means. We have Christmas carols that remind us to pray for peace, people everywhere. But we don't have the slightest idea what we're really thinking about when it comes to genuine peace. For many people around our society today, they, they think peace means drinking or using until they don't feel anything anymore, and that's peace. There are others who think that that next relationship, that next person, that'll be the person that completes them. That'll be the person that satisfies their heart, and, and, and they will find peace. There are people who think that staying really, 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 really busy will give them a sense of peace because they won't have to stop and slow down and think about their thoughts of loneliness and hopelessness, anxiety, and fear. So they find peace by staying busy. You know what? Those are empty attempts to find peace. And some of you, you know that within your heart, you need that peace today. And here's the thing. Christmas, Jesus, he came to offer us peace, the kind of peace that we need. In fact, real peace is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because real peace is knowing that no matter what I do, God loves me, and his love for me will never change. Real peace knows, uh, means that, I, that, no, that no matter what happens, God's with me, that He's for me, not against me. Real peace takes place that when we think about 2018, and, and maybe you have some anxious thoughts about the coming year, maybe there's some things that you're worried about, and as you think about it, real peace is knowing that He's with you to help you overcome whatever 2018 brings, because He is an overcoming kind of God, and greater is He that is in me than He that is in this world. Maybe real peace is living by God's Word so we can avoid the habits, the hang-ups, and the hurts that often mess our life up. 
Or maybe real peace, parents, is, is teaching our children that God's Word really is a foundation for living our life upon. And, and when we do that, we can make wise choices and live peaceful lives with each other and with God. But there are things that rob your peace. There's guilt. Some of you have guilty feelings about things that you have done, and that guilt will rob that sense of peace. And we'll talk about that here in a moment later, the solution to that guilt that you feel. For others, grief is what is robbing that peace. Grief, losing something or someone that you love deeply. And can I remind you that grief is normal, but here's the thing about God. He's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. And even though you grieve, you don't grieve without hope of the comforter being near to you in this Christmas season. Also, grudges will rob your peace. Some of you are holding grudges. Somebody has done something to you, and you, you can never let that go. And you're a grudge holder, but here's the deal. In holding that grudge, you're stealing your own peace. And those are things that Jesus has brought solutions to. And the real way of finding peace is just doing what Jesus already said to do. Forgive as I have forgiven you. In fact, he says, in the same way as I have forgiven you, you should forgive your brother and sister. The most basic need we all have, friends, is peace. And you're not going to find it, true peace, in any earthly solution. The angels said, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And they went on to explain why. There is peace. Peace with God. Peace with your fellow man. Because Jesus came to offer us peace. I love that verse in the Bible. It talks about not being anxious, but by prayer to, re to lift our requests before God. And here's the thing that happens that his peace that passes understanding can guard your heart and your mind. And I thought that was interesting. Why do I need peace to guard my heart and my mind? Why do I need peace to guard it? I'd rather have strength or pride, or, but why peace? Because God knows it's the one thing that we need, no matter what life brings, peace can guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, keep us from being guilt-ridden, grudge-bearing people grief-stricken, because peace can flood our hearts. And this Christmas, you can look for a lot of things. This Christmas, you might find a lot of things, but this Christmas, you can find peace. And His name is Jesus, who has come to be the Prince of Peace. And He can touch your hearts today. We're going to sing that beautiful, peaceful song of Christmas that reminds us of that night of peace and I often think about that night of peace. Probably wasn't as peaceful as we sing about it for Mary and Joseph. But little did they know that in the midst of this very horrific event in their life, right, this grand interruption, God had a plan. And that plan was peace. So let's stand as we sing one of my favorite Christmas carols, Silent Night. You can be seated. Thank you, Carrie. So this Christmas, you can find joy, you can find peace, 
And finally, this Christmas, my prayer for you and your family is that you would also find forgiveness. The reading we heard in Matthew and also the accounts in Luke, we can find the word Savior frequently in the text. A Savior has been born. He will be called Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. A Savior. Christmas is really all about a Savior, but some people still wonder, well, why do we need a Savior? There's a little boy who who wrote a letter to Santa. I'd like to read it for you. He says, Dear Santa, there are three boys living at my house. Jeffrey is two, David is four, and Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good hardly ever. And Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. (laughs) You know the problem with that letter And the problem with life is that none of us are Normans. None of us are perfect. None of us are good all the time. None of us are batting a thousand. The Bible tells us that all of us fall short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect. In fact, if, if there was to ever be a movie capturing every element of your life that was played on big screen for all to enjoy, we'd recognize just how imperfect we really are. We need a Savior. I saw a Christmas card once that said if our greatest need had been information, that God would have sent us an educator. That if our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So He sent us a Savior. Unto you is born a Savior, Jesus. You can be forgiven. The most priceless gift you could ever have is forgiveness. And no, you're not going to find this in any convenience store or main name brand store. It's not something we can purchase. The thing about forgiveness is we really can't earn it. We just have to admit we need a Savior that we need forgiveness. In fact, Acts chapter 10, verse 43 says it this way, all the prophets testify about me that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice it simply says that all who believe, you're part of that all who can believe. Maybe you've written yourself out of God's forgiveness because of your past, but let me just help remind you, Jesus is writing you back in to His forgiveness. He's a Savior of the world. How do we experience that? We just admit that we need it, and we submit to His power to save. When I was a senior in high school, I got a job at the Osborne Aquatic Center in Corvallis. It wasn't a very glorious job. I was a cashier. But I wanted to be a lifeguard because I thought that was a pretty cool job. But then I heard that pastors don't make good lifeguards. Because every time they saw somebody, a drowning victim, waving the arm, pastor would say, I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there another? <laughs> Just kidding. But I did learn something about lifeguarding, and, and that is that the best way to save somebody is save them when they're ready to be saved. Lifeguards know that if you go and try to attempt to save somebody who continues to fight against you and save themselves and flail their arms about, the chances are you could get yourself in serious harm's way as a lifeguard. 
So you are to wait until they submit to the power you have to save them as a lifeguard. And here's what I know about a lot of us. We've been flailing a lot, trying to do good works. You're trying your hard. Maybe you're saying, you know what, my, my, my good far outweighs my bad. Come on, that's got to earn me something with God. But God doesn't grade on a curve. You might be saying, well, well I'm not as bad as so-and-so. You know, salvation doesn't happen by comparison of other people around you. Do you know who we're compared to? The perfect son of God. Friends, I'm never going to measure up to that. But thanks by his grace, I don't have to. Because here's the beauty of it. I need to rest and submit to the one who has the power to save me, and it's not me. He is the one who has the power to save. And maybe this Christmas you, you feel like the drowning victim who's flailing your arms trying to grab onto something to give you hope or something to give you peace, or something to give you joy. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not going to find it outside of Christ and a relationship with Him. This Christmas, He's your Savior. You could choose to receive it or not, but here's the truth. He came to be a Savior. This Christmas, you're going to find what you're looking for. And for some of you today, you need forgiveness. You need to experience what only God can offer you. A fresh start. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if anyone's in Christ, they are a new, new creation. Friends, I know you got cool stuff underneath that tree ready to be opened that's new, and you're excited about it, but it will never bring you that new creation. The rebuilding of your life on the hope and peace, salvation of Christ. He's a package, a present offered to you as a Savior. You'll find what you're looking for. And my prayer for you is you'll find forgiveness this Christmas. Two ways. One, forgiveness of your sins and the ability to forgive yourself. In my work as a pastor, I've discovered that people can generally embrace the fact that God can forgive you, but the hardest thing for people is forgiving themselves. Let me tell you, God has forgiven you. The slate is clean. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Sometimes i got to remind myself about that. I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself and give myself a break and say, if God in his perfection would forgive me, I probably could forgive myself and rest in that forgiveness. So this Christmas, find his forgiveness. I'd like us to stand as we sing a song that declares the power that he has to save that's in his name. And when we conclude this song, we're going to lay it into communion and in this service remembering what Jesus did to save us. Lead us in the song. I so appreciate the names given to Jesus. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Savior, all wonderful names. And we can't miss any of those, the meanings of those names this Christmas. There was a boy who was living with his family during the days of the Depression. 
and their family was very, very poor. All they had was just the, the basest things to meet their bare needs. But the circus was coming to town, and this boy really wanted to go to the circus. He had never been to a circus before. So he went to his dad and said, Dad, the circus is coming to town, but the ticket costs a dollar. And his dad said, Son, we, we don't have enough to put food on our table. There's no way that I can give you a dollar. But if you go find some jobs and, and get what you can, maybe I can help you out with the rest. And so the boy goes off, and he, he does whatever he can to make a few nickels and dimes here and there. And he finally returns to his father the day before the circus was to come to town. And he says, Dad, I, I've got 50 cents. Is that enough for me to go? And his dad scraped together what he had to give that boy the dollar to buy the ticket he wanted for the circus. And the day finally came, the parade was coming into town, and that boy ran to the streets where the main event of the parade was happening, and he saw things that he had never seen before. He saw the exotic animals go by. He saw the giraffe, and he saw the elephants and the lions and all the things that were so enjoyable for a boy his age. He saw the clowns come by and entertain him with some funny things, and he, he took his ticket, and he, he gave it to a clown, and he so enjoyed all that was happening. And as soon as everything had passed by, he, he ran home to tell his dad all about the circus. And when he got home, his dad was kind of surprised to see him there so early. And as the boy was telling his dad about all he saw, his dad said, wait a second. All you saw was the parade, son. The circus is yet to take place. See, I think sometimes when it comes to Christmas and all the beauty of Christmas, the gift giving, the decorations, the songs, all the things, sometimes it's like enjoying the parade, but yet we often miss the main event, Jesus the one who came to bring us peace and joy and forgiveness. There's a verse in Jeremiah that I love, 29, verse 13. Now, I love 29, 11 because it talks about how God knows the plans he has for me, and I love that verse. But 29, 13 says it this way. If you will seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. This Christmas... What are you looking for? Truth is, we're all seekers. We're all looking for something. And those who have found Christ have found the longings of their hearts fulfilled, have been satisfied in what they've now. Now, I know that life still can get frustrating and life still gets hard, and there's still moments when your peace and your joy are taxed. But let me just tell you people who have come to discover Jesus have found love, joy, peace, and so much more. This Christmas season. So this Christmas, I, I pray that you will find joy, that you will find peace, that you will find forgiveness. In fact, I pray that you will find Christ this Christmas. Because you know what? If you don't have Christ, all these other things are empty. But in Christ, you find everything you need. Because that's the way we have been designed. He's your Savior. And right now, we're going to invite the ushers to come and wait upon us for communion and service, the elements of communion. Parents, I know that you have children here. It's up to you how you want to handle communion, but I believe that if kids know Jesus Christ is their Savior, if they believed that they needed a Savior to die for their sins, and they know that Jesus is that Savior, I have no issue for you to serve your kids' communion, but that's your choice as a parent. I'm going to ask that while the worship team leads us in this next song, that we just all receive and then hold the elements until I lead us 
in taking those together for our Christmas Eve communion. And as they lead us in worship and as the usher service, I want you to find a moment where you can just kind of take a moment and look within yourself. I know sometimes that's a scary thing to do, but just take a moment and look within yourself. And this Christmas, have you found joy, peace, forgiveness? It's here. It's all available in the Christ, the Savior that was born for you. So as they serve us, you take a moment and kind of see where you are, and I'll lead us in taking communion together. Jesus, we take a look inside our hearts. We look inside our Christmas season, and we ask, have we kept you the center? It's so easy to get distracted, to enjoy the parade but miss the main event. You are the main event, Jesus. And this Christmas, we remember you and we honor you. We celebrate you. And we know that while you came as a baby, and that is such a beautiful reminder of the God who came near, a baby that was approachable, that was vulnerable, you entered our world, you entered our moments, you experienced life as we experience it. And then, Jesus, you, the Savior born as a baby, grew to be the man who would pay the ultimate price for our sin, because none of us are perfect. You alone, Christ, lived completely holy before your Father. So when you died on that cross, you could pay the price for our sin. And so you did that willingly. And while at Christmas we celebrate your birth, we can't do that without seeing that you came to be our Savior. In this moment, if you're here and you're going, Kelly, I need, I need to experience that kind of Savior today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed around here, if, if that's you, you're saying today when you were talking about peace and joy, forgiveness, that's something I need today. And if that's you, would you, just, would you just be honest enough just to raise a hand and say, hey, pray with me, Kelly. That's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. The hand's going up. Thank you. Let me pray with you. And as I pray, you know what God loves? He loves to hear from you. And, and just in your own heart, in your own way, you talk to God about what you need from Him because He hears you. It's not just when the pastor prays. He hears the words of every person who breathes His name. So, Father, I thank You for each person today who needs to experience who you are, Jesus, in all your fullness, that you are joy, that you are peace, that you are the Savior who forgives. We need that today. And so we admit our need. And that's the starting point, is admitting we need you. And so we confess that we need you today. We confess our brokenness and our sin, and we ask that you would forgive as you freely have done. And before we take these elements that remind us of that, we choose to commit our life to you today anew. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing us when we pray. Thank you for your forgiveness. So each of you in your hands, you hold some symbols to help us remember Jesus. He, the night he was to be betrayed, he took bread and cups and he gave them a new significance to his disciples. And he said, this, this bread 
is my body which will be broken for you. This doesn't look like much today, does it? A piece of square bread. But it's symbolic of the life, the body of Jesus. It reminds us that God was Emmanuel with us, that Jesus experienced everything, grief, loss, betrayal. He experienced all of these things that you experience in life. Yet he went through all of that for our sake, to understand us, to know us. Even though he was God and already knew, he lived it. And he went to a cross for you and me. His body was broken for us, that we could be made whole. So Lord, today we hold this bread in our hands. It's your body broken for us. We remember you today. We celebrate you. We say thank you, Jesus, that you loved me in my brokenness, and that you yielded your body to those that would break you, that we might find wholeness through that. So we remember you, and we say, thank you, Jesus. Let's eat the bread together. It was also in your hand the cup, symbolic of his life's blood. And I know at Christmas it's not generally a theme we like to talk about. But without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, the Bible tells us. And Jesus didn't just get uncomfortable for us, he died. And when his life blood was poured out, he was the Lamb of God who forever would take away the sins of the world, including yours. doesn't matter how high you think your sin list is, in Christ there is forgiveness. The Bible tells us in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So thank you, Jesus, for your life's blood that purchased my salvation so I could stand today before the Father in righteousness, in purity, forgiven. So we remember you, Jesus. And as we remember, we confess to you our brokenness, and our need continually of your forgiving power at work in our life. But help us also to live our lives in such a way that we honor you. That we honor you with the choices that we make, remembering you paid such a great price for us, not to conveniently sin, but Lord, to live righteous lives for you. So help us this Christmas to remember you and why you came, our Savior. In Jesus' name, let's drink the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. I invite you to stand this morning as we conclude this service today. The ushers are going to come down the aisleway with baskets. If you would just simply pass your used cup to the nearest aisle, that way they can receive those from you. And from neighborhood church to you and your family, Merry Christmas. We pray that Jesus would be the center of it all for you in the fun of opening packages, eating way too many Christmas goodies. Let's pause to remember what Jesus had done for us and keep him first, the center of our lives. So as we go, I pray you'll join us in this wonderful rousing song. It's not very spiritual, but it's fun to sing. We wish you guys a Merry Christmas.